They want recognition. Big, big burn looks good inside boosters. Becker started. Coming up on fairing separation. Center core side engines on fire, also look good. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Philip. It's a real snow globe outside today. It is. It's a winter wonderland. Yes. It's my favorite kind of snow. Purely cosmetic. (laughs) (laughs) Not actually affecting anything? Not actually affecting anything. So I am... I stayed up late because I couldn't stop watching the live stream of the Starman in his Tesla Roadster. Now, you're not referring to the early 80s Jeff Bridges movie, Starman. No, but that is a really good movie, by the way. It is a pretty good movie. Uh, As I remember. (laughs) Yeah, the perspective may be a little changed. Yeah. But I remember it showed the... uh, I don't know if it was Pioneer or Voyager they showed, but playing Johnny Be Good. Oh, yeah. The Chuck Berry song. Yeah. So, the, did, so you saw video of the SpaceX launch and yeah. landing. And landing. That was two thirds of a landing. Yeah. Two, right. Two thirds of a landing, which is, mm-hmm. I guess, as long as they're separate objects, that's a good. <laughs> that's right. It's better than zero. Yeah. <laughs> right. If it's one object and it's two thirds of a landing, not so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, so, man, those of you who are listening soon after, hopefully this is posted, will know, but if you're listening a little bit later, last night, or yesterday evening, Elon Musk launched the first, it was the maiden voyage of the Falcon Heavy. Yeah. And, which is basically three Falcon 9s strapped together. And on top was his own, Elon Musk's own car. Yep. (laughs) That is basically the first used car in space. Oh, that's, yeah, that's probably right. Previously owned. Unless you count um, the lunar rovers. Oh, that's true. They were used, right? And they were electric. And they're electric. Yes, that's right. Way ahead of their time. So it's not even the first electric car. And they didn't have mannequins in them. They had real people. Uh, Depending on how you feel about Kubrick conspiracy theories. Yeah. (laughs) I just, 
each time I see the SpaceX things, I find myself, I think as, as a number of people do, they count, some of the, the newscasters have commented, I find myself more excited than I thought I would be. Hmm. Interesting. The, 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 um, when I first heard of the idea that you could, they would land the boosters or, you know, the rocket would come back and land vertically. Mm-hmm. I just thought, you know, we, we grew up seeing that on book cover, science fiction book covers. Yes, that's right. right? <laughs> yeah. It's a lost in space kind of moment. And it yeah. always seems stupid. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you bother to do this precarious thing? But he made it work. And, and I just got, I give him so much credit for things like, and, and he talks about this a lot, like his reaction, I think, to the success yesterday was like, wow, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but then he said, you know, crazy is good to have that kind of. Yeah, that's definitely spirit. good crazy. Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Although I do still wonder. I'm sure there's a good reason for it. But in my mind, coming down vertically is precarious. Obviously, they have to land on their legs and stay mm-hmm. up. But uh, he, they managed to do it, which is unbelievable. But it, it always seemed like, you know, if they could just land horizontally, I guess they can't create parachutes strong enough or something um, like that. Let's see here. Yeah, parachute for a whole booster would be very difficult. They're they're extremely large things. Um, yeah, parachute for that would be hard. And also, parachute comes down wherever it feels like, right? You know, in the oh, that's true. back back in the golden age of space travel, you know, the sixties, um, their their target for landing was the Pacific, right. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Um, as opposed to, you know, if SpaceX can put its boosters down on this square meter, yeah. um, that's obviously a lot easier. Right? Yeah. Two of them. Two landed two next them. to each other. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it's hard to tell how far apart those two landing pads were. But yeah, that's right. That is hard to scale. Um, but but that's that uh, far. I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, man. Now, like I said, the 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 craziest thing was the car and mm-hmm. the the sort of mannequin inside. Some people called him a dummy. I don't like dummy. I think mannequin sounds for a mannequin. He's a little d- dignified. A little more French, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't know that there would be a live stream of the view. From the car. Yeah, it's a brilliant choice. <laughs> oh, incredible. And the views, anyway, if anyone, if you're listening and you haven't seen it, the live stream of it, I don't know how many people know that that exists. Go mm-hmm. look it up on YouTube. And it's just every, it, it's spinning. I, and I got to look up the actual, I'm curious to see the actual path that it's taking and what the spin what type of spinning it's doing? Oh yeah, I saw the trajectory sort of through the solar system, but I didn't. I didn't check anything about the spin, so I don't know how how fast that right. is. Right, right. I do know it's going to be an elliptical orbit, with the farthest point being the the Mar- orbit of Mars. Actually, I think it's even past Mars. Um, oh, it's wow. going to go out to Ceres in the uh, asteroid belt. Oh wow! Yeah, um, and my guess is, knowing Elon Musk, it's going to go by Mars. Uh, I believe that's correct. Yeah. I mean, and then just keep going. Yeah. 
Although who knows, he's, you know, I must, one thing I love about space missions is that, and NASA does this too all the time, uh, JPL will do this. There's a lot of things that they're going to do that you don't know. They don't reveal until the mission is a That's success right. and it's working, moment. right? And suddenly, oh, we planned this thing and we planned mm-hmm. that thing and this is going to sneak thing. Anyway, we talked in previous episodes about, uh, I've talked about how I personally, and I think the world would benefit from having better perspective on what it's like just to be able to feel just by looking at pictures what it's like to be in space to to Mm -hmm. understand to see the earth for instance floating in space and all kinds of other things and one of the things that just struck me is so brilliant whether it was intentional or not of the guy in the car floating in front of the full round earth Mm-hmm. A guy in a car is the first time I've ever seen anything where you know the scale. Ah, uh, yeah. Interesting. Right? right. That's a car. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's a guy that's in right. a car. You know how big a car is. Yeah. Yeah. And to see that there and the earth behind it is another word that Elon Musk used, of course, uh, surreal. Mm-hmm. And yet real, more real than... <laughs> hyper, both hyper real and surreal hyper. at the same time. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, when you see, it used to be that if you saw earthrise over the dashboard of a car you knew it was a sci-fi movie and you knew the tone of the movie instantly right right um i mean i'm thinking uh earth girls are easy the jeff goldblum movie oh remember this i, I think they that. yeah their spaceship looks like a car as i recall <laughs> um and sort of the opening scenes are this you know this cadillac coming down over the full earth. Um, <laughs> but now, but now we look at that and say, Oh, well that might be a documentary, I guess. That's right. That's right. And yet what a gas guzzler, uh, the Cadillac. Oh, was. seriously. You yeah. Know, here's, this car's electric. And of course it, Oh, playing David Bowie's music. Of course. Another <laughs> yes. brilliant. And on the screen in the car, it says, don't panic. Yeah. I saw that. Uh, that's good advice. Yeah. The hat tip to the, uh, uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I mean, it was just pure on geek. That's right. Yeah, it's just dripping in, in geek culture. Yep. <laughs> if, if we ever thought, if we ever doubted that geeks had taken over the Earth, this well, is... <laughs> that's right. Maybe we'll take over Mars now. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And so, what the if we all could have space cars? Now, clearly, if that guy in the car, if it was a real person, mm-hmm. it doesn't look like he brought a lot of air with him. So uh, he, he, that sounds right. Yeah. So, so let's say at least it's a, it's a, it's more like the Jetsons. It's a, it's a self enclosed car. Oh, okay, that sounds right. You know, mm-hmm. space uh, po- pod. Yeah, but we'll call it a car because it it's easier to imagine, and it uh, you can fly around on the Earth anywhere and easily and you can go into space easily so maybe you know let's let's give it this as we say um if you're new here what the if we take reality and we pick up a pair of tweezers and we kind of pull on one thing and we, we say, okay, if we could just change this one thing about reality. By the way, wear a wrist strap when you do this. 
Yeah. Static, uh, static electricity can seriously damage your reality. Mm-hmm. So do that. And um, uh, yeah, actually not tweezers, a spudger, a spudger, one of those little plastic. Uh, have you ever used a spudger? I, I, I don't think I know spudgers. Oh, no. if you, so shout out to iFixit, iFixit.com. Amazing people who take apart electronics and uh, show you how to repair them. Huh. They also sell a little kit you can buy. So if you ever had like one time I had to, I wanted to replace the hard drive in my laptop. So you can go to iFixit.com and you can buy a little kit that gives you all, all kinds of little screwdrivers of all different sizes and all different types hmm. for the kinds of screws that uh, you, all the different kinds of weird screws you get in electronics. And it includes a spudger which I had not been aware of either, which is basically like a little plastic like toothpick or, or um, screwdriver. I mean, it just has like a flat, it's, it's a okay. long, uh, it's a stick, very thin stick with a flat end, pointy mm-hmm. flat end that you can use to, you know, pry things open. It's not metal, so it's safer. So if you're going to mess with reality, you know, have your spudger. Okay. Always have your towel and your mm-hmm. spudger. And we change one thing. Now, the, the part of the, the exercise is that we only can change that one thing and we like to not change as much as possible outside of that one thing. Mm-hmm. And by watching how we now say, oh, I, I still don't have a way to describe it. I don't know. Somehow, <laughs> through magic, through scientific magic, mm-hmm. you go have fun with that phrase. We learn real science. And this is how it goes. Watch and learn. <laughs> Strap on your seatbelts. Space seatbelts. Space seatbelts. Get in your flying Tesla. And mm-hmm. here we go. Yeah. So everybody has a space car. And um, so right, in the spirit mm-hmm. of only changing, changing as little as possible beyond that, let's say that your personal space car can't go into space. Uh, oh, okay. you, you need a lift. All right. Yeah. Cause that was actually one of the things I, w- I was pondering is you, know, you said earlier, you want to be able to fly around in the earth's atmosphere and in space. Mm-hmm. And that's a tall order, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Because the, what, what you need to fly around in the atmosphere um, is quite different than what you want to have when you're flying around in space. So your best bet is probably actually to have one uh, flying car and one space car, and then like a, a commuter hub where you can change them. <laughs> so, yeah. a, right, a two-car family. Right. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, if you drive to the train station and then take the train into work. Right, right, right. right. And, uh, then, and then actually, like, you go on a trip, and so when you get into, let's say you arrive at the space station, mm-hmm. you can rent a car. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so you rent your space pod right. for the day. Right. And um, if you're really rich, you'll own both. Yeah, that sounds right. Like a yacht. It's just like a yacht, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and surely the the first personal space pods will be yachts, right? In the sense of uh, um, entertainment things for super rich people. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah of course. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so then once you're up there, so your space pods got to have uh, air, as you said. Um, and, uh, so, so you can carry some air with you, uh, and then you'll need to scrub the carbon dioxide out of your air as well. Um, that's an important balance we often forget about. It's not just that you need oxygen, it's that you need to not have carbon dioxide too. 
Oh, right. 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 Actually, just taking one step back, it just strikes me that I think, thinking about the yacht and whatever, I think that uh, it wouldn't be illogical to say that actually, instead of having to have two cars, that you could, it's like a ferry system. You'd bring your car. And then, Mm -hmm. and then I think all you would need is that, you know, if your car is able to deal with Earth's atmosphere, it, it can, well, the space shuttle shows how you you can build something that works in both environments. Yeah. So, um, so that's that's. I mean, it might be a space elevator, but I don't want to add another. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's another thing. Still hypothetical thing. Mm-hmm. Also, <laughs> just came to mind that you know, the Falcon Heavy with Roadster is basically Elon Musk's <laughs> private yacht. Uh, that's right. He's just not on it, right? He's not yeah. on it yet. This was a test. And um, the, the, the Roadster is like, you know, the yachts that have helicopters on them. Oh, yeah. That's a good analogy. I like that. Or a speedboat, mm-hmm. you know, maybe more yeah. like a speedboat. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. He's the first person to have a almost Saturn V powered yacht mm-hmm. <laughs> space yacht <laughs> uh and that's uh yeah so you've got to really want to cruise around in space um to get a whole heavy lift rocket underneath you for that's that. right that's right yeah. that's right well he's you know he's he's built a business uh, so that it'd be sort of like someone who builds a a giant film studio so they can make a movie yeah. It's like you okay. know, he makes a profit. Yeah, he he exactly. seems to make a profit. Yeah. So, so we got to your little car. Now, this is very common, we can say, in, in science fiction. Mm-hmm. I can think of many, for instance, Arthur C. Clarke novels that I, I read uh, growing up where people could hop in a thing and fly wherever. In fact, mm-hmm. it's so common, I might say that it's hard to find a science fiction story that doesn't have something like this like a personal- well it's it's certainly a staple of sort of golden and silver age uh sci-fi uh-huh. um and there as you say like clark or asimov it's a direct uh it's a direct analogy to suburban america of the 1950s oh, right nice. so asimov says all right now everybody has a car that they drive around. So in the future, everybody will have a spaceship that they drive around. Um, And it it feels the same, right? That's what he's shooting for. Right, right, right. Totally. So uh, one of the interesting things, especially in the Arthur C. Clarke books, I remember, is that people live anywhere in the world. For instance, in, in Clarke's books, it was very common for them to live way out in remote places like Africa right. was very common. Yeah. <clears throat> and, you know, Australia and the ocean mm-hmm. and things like that. Oh, by the way, so speaking of which, if your pod is good enough for air, ground, and space, it's probably good for water too. I mean, it's a different um, thing. It's a different kind of thing. So there's there's a Futurama episode that refers to this, of course, oh. um, where they take their spaceship uh, underwater. And I can't remember, well, somebody asks the professor how many atmospheres of pressure uh, the ship can take. And he said, well, it's a spaceship. So anywhere between zero and one. <laughs> wow, that's brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> that's, really, that's true. So, um, 
Or we'll, we'll, we'll leave that aside then. Let's say that, you know, yeah. I think that you, again, it's thinking of yachts. There would be some, but to, to get that extra seaworthiness, you that really would have be to all have other fancy, things. Yeah. the fancy kind. So if people can go anywhere and you can work remotely anyway, we already have this. Mm-hmm. I think that was another part of the vision. You could literally be wherever you were in the world. Mm-hmm. And yeah. this would be amazing. Now, right, we have cars and we can go places. And yet, you really don't just on a whim fly to places or drive to places. Drive to places, yeah. That's right. And this is, you know, that that idea that you can live anywhere in the world um, because transportation is so fast uh, was thought about a lot by say futurists in the late forties, early Uh fifties. And some people speculated that um, fast transportation would be the death of cities right? because if everybody can live in their, live on whatever continent they want and fly to work in 10 minutes, then why would anyone ever live in an actual city? Right. 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 Um, so that's, uh, obviously that didn't happen. Right. Right, (laughs) right, right. uh, The best we can do is, you know, suburbs are where they are uh, for reasons because, you know, people are willing to spend about X amount of time in their car. Right. Now, presumably that's also going to be true for space cars. Right. The people, it won't be the death of cities. Yeah. Um, and also you got to think about what's worth driving to, uh, that, that is what is within a comfortable car ride. So if we call a comfortable car, car ride, I don't know, hour and a half, um, something that you just jump in and do, right. uh, or you know, we Los live in Angeles four hours. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. An hour and a half takes like two blocks in LA. Yeah. Um, but you say, okay, so what's in that radius? Well, there's, uh, I have friends who I can visit. There's restaurants. I can drive to a theater, mm-hmm. um, uh, sort of the next town over. Okay. Um, in space, the next town over is the moon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that's a quarter million miles away. So talk about uh, a dead town. <laughs> it doesn't even have one flashing yellow light. It's just... Yeah, so so you've got your space car, and where are you going to go? Well, I guess you can you can visit um, the International Space Station, right? That's cool. Yeah, um, you can swing by some satellites, but otherwise, it's a quarter million miles to the next rest stop, uh, wow. and at the, at the speeds that we can generate with things like the Falcon Heavy, that's a few days out. A few days to the moon. Three to the moon. Right. right. Yeah. Was, was it three days to the moon for Apollo? Yeah, for the Apollo folks. Yeah. Right. And essentially, we're still working with the same range of velocities. Right. Uh, so, so if that's sort of the minimum amount of time you would spend in your space car, your space car has got to be a little different than your ground car because your ground car is fine for an hour and a half, right? It's got a place to put your coffee, um, but it doesn't have a bathroom. And it doesn't have a place where you can sleep comfortably. Right. Right. Um, But your space car does need those things. Uh, So, yeah. Again, like the yacht. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Winnebago, at least. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that, 
I think that might be right that that uh, Mel Brooks in Spaceballs had it planned out ahead of time, right? <laughs> Is that the, the, the default space car should be the Winnebago and not uh, the Honda Civic, right? Yeah, until and um, I'm sure that Elon Musk has plans on this. Uh, as do any number of other people, an infrastructure is built in space yep. so that okay. there are go- there are actually like space lanes. Mm-hmm. There's going to be rest stops and yeah, that's right. And I, I say that's right. A good place for a rest stop, um, as Arthur C. Clarke, I think, was the first person to think about. So what's called the Lagrange point between mm-hmm. the moon and Earth. Uh-huh. So that's the place where essentially uh, the gravity from the moon and the gravity from the earth are perfectly balanced. So it's a good place to to build a transfer station. So that seems uh, likely. Because yeah. then they don't have to constantly, it doesn't have to have rockets on it that constantly push it back. That's right. Yeah. And it, it can just, and it doesn't have to orbit either. Right? Like the ISS zooms around the earth right. uh, to, to stay in orbit. But if you're at the Lagrange point, you can just hang out there. You don't have to move. You don't have to expend any energy. Yeah. Um, it's a good place. I've always wondered how sensitive is that spot? Because I know we, we do park, uh, we have telescopes, I think, or satellites at certain Lagrange points. Yeah, that's right. There's multiple Lagrange points Between out there. Between the Earth and Sun, um, I think we have. Yeah, uh, the Earth and Sun, any two bodies will have it. Um, and yeah, I think we've got some satellites sitting um, uh, at Earth-Moon Lagrange points. Uh, and so the question of how, so in physics terms, that's, is it a stable location, right? Mm, if you mm-hmm. po- if you poke it, will it stay there? Right. Um, and the answer is pretty stable. <laughs> that is, it'll, it'll typically stay there for small, small bumps, um, which is good. Right, right. So they don't, which the, the satellites that we have at a Lagrange point doesn't need a lot of adjusting, if any, right. to stay at yeah. that point. Because so, yeah. once it were to slip out of that point, it would go towards either the sun or the earth. It would go, yeah, spinning out into the solar system, yeah. somewhere exciting. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so if you can get it, if you can get into that stable point, then you're pretty good for the long term. Um, but that's the trick, right? Right. That's wild. So first first of all, in terms of earth based, I mean, my first thought would be it would be amazing to just much more easily, much more easily go anywhere on the earth. Mm-hmm. Now, speed is a big question. We we kind of almost have to answer that question. How fast are these things? Yeah. And I'm going to s- guess that uh, for the Concorde comes to mind. Could you have a personal oh, pod sure. that flies? Because we're not going to allow ourselves to do, to have like Star Wars where you can just fly around and there's no, there's no uh, illustration of how exactly they're propelling themselves uh, yeah, or defying right. gravity. So, to go to get up to well, let's to get up to jet speed. So mm-hmm. it, 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 on the order of five to five, let's say five hundred miles an hour, you need. Well, we have fighter jets, for instance, that can fly supersonic. Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah, you could build um, supersonic planes in whatever quantity you wanted. Right. Um, but, uh, How much you know, it's, ex- it's expensive, right? Yeah. Um, and it's expensive both in terms of money and energy. So 
the question is, are there enough people who are willing to spend that money uh, to go that fast? And the story of back in the early 70s, it was thought there were a lot of people. So there was what was called the SST program, um, supersonic transport. And the idea was that these would be flying around the earth on a regular basis, uh, getting people from continent to continent in an hour. The con- uh, oh, yeah. oh, even faster than the Concorde. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And so the Concorde is sort of the, was the only real instantiation of this. Um, and it did okay, right? It turns out people are willing to, to wait six hours to get from New York to London. Um, and those extra couple of hours are not worth the tens of thousands of dollars it would cost, right? Right, right. And I guess part of that problem, too, was that the planes had to be small. Or there, there were some, you know, they didn't find themselves able to build a big enough plane so that they could have lower ticket prices, I'm guessing. Right, yeah. It's just uh, just a matter of scale, right? Yeah. Are, are there enough people willing to, to pay for that extra speed? Right. So even those those fighter planes that we have, let's say, that go supersonic, just because that's a single person, can mm-hmm. be a single person kind of thing. I don't know how far they can fly on that. They do. So, okay, let's imagine this. There are going to be air-based refueling stations. Okay. That right? can help. That mm-hmm. We want air-based gas stations. Yeah, so so like our, not so much fighter jets, but long-range bombers like the B-2 can fly virtually around the world. And if you, as you say, if there's mid-air refueling, they can stay up essentially indefinitely. Right. Now, in fact, uh, I realized that, and actually Elon Musk has proposed such a thing. It seems like if you were going to fly from one place on the earth to another, you wouldn't fly like a jet you would probably find it much more efficient to go actually into space and then come uh, back down. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the most efficient route is just to launch you um, like an ICBM, right? Like yeah. a missile. Yeah. Um, the, there's a problem with that. So that's the, the fastest and the cheapest. That's right. It is, it is the, the hell of a ride is essentially the answer is that the, uh, the G-forces you take both on launch and landing are enormous, right? It's the same reason that we don't have a giant catapult between Manhattan and Brooklyn, right? We, we totally could, right? <laughs> we could just, be, oh. we could just fling people back and forth. Um, for a future, future episode, <laughs> make note, flying catapults uh, for transportation. Right, the, yeah. the force needed to accelerate you such that you can actually make the, uh, the jump um, is so high that you're dead, right? It would just crush you. Utterly. <laughs> so if you just want to transport things, actually, right. uh, launching, launching, uh, rocket style up into space and then back down again is pretty good. Um, the problem is generally is landing, right? Right. It's right. going extremely fast by the time it gets back down. So you have to come up with some very clever way, uh, of slowing it down. So it doesn't just explode into dust. Right. This is if it was just an object that had no control of its own but right. uh, incredibly spacex has shown that you can you know yep, put an right. engine on something and it can actually have that's right software. so you can have a controlled uh, descent now which is pretty extraordinary yeah yeah and so would you, is it feasible that a personal sized car could achieve the velocity l- on its own engines, I don't 
think so. No, it, it would have to be. Well, actually, uh, the the Falcon Heavy is exactly what you would need, right? Oh, right. You have to. You Whoa. just have to get it up. Um, so each little space pod um, would require a full heavy booster, and that's why I was thinking you really need a transfer station. Is that it's uh, it's silly to do that. Um, but rather you want some efficient way of getting from the Earth's surface to the transfer station. And then you can, uh, then you can putter around in space on your space yacht. Right. Now I'm going to guess that you could build a maglev launcher that yep. gets you that it would be, have to be so long, mm -hmm. but it could take you up to the needed speed at whatever G force yeah. You so wanted. this was this was thought about by um, uh, uh, engineer named um, uh, O'Neill back in the, mm. the 60s and 70s. Um, and he uh, sort of futurist engineer who actually built stuff, too. Um, so whenever you see a uh, cylindrical space station rotating in sci fi like Babylon 5, that's right. called an that's called an O'Neill habitat. Oh, so O'Neill is one of the first and actually his birthday, I think, was just yesterday. Oh, happy um, birthday. Uh, one of the things he thought about was how do you get um, goods, you know, material from, say, your moon base down to the Earth and vice versa in an efficient way? Um, and he came up with uh, what nowadays we call a mass driver, which is, as you say, an electromagnetic cannon uh, uh -huh. that can fire um a projectile say at whatever velocity you want. You just, you just make the, um, the mass driver longer and it goes faster. So if you, if you build one, say 10 miles long, um, that can get your package going fast enough for escape velocity from the moon and then it can get down to earth. But then you say, well, doesn't it just smash into the ground? And they say, no, you have another mass driver uh -huh. on the surface of the earth. And if you, if you, if you aim it just right, <laughs> then your package goes into the mass driver and the mass driver can then convert the kinetic energy of your packet back into electricity. Whoa. So you effectively what? get, uh, it's, it's energetically free if you make the mass driver right. Uh, and then you can just shoot things back and forth between your mass drivers with very little energy loss. This is a giant basketball game. Yep, that's right. You at, are the basketball. At celestial speeds. <laughs> yeah. yeah, again, it's not great for humans because it'll pulp you. Um, but if you've got an asteroid mine running and you want to get uh, all of that platinum back to Earth, a mass driver is a good choice. But what it... Uh, so what happens with the with the magnets is that when a magnet is pushing something along, other you know, for instance, we have roller coasters that have maglev launchers. Mm -hmm. I think right. Yeah. So um, and they you feel quite a bit of g force, but obviously it's you know you can take it. Isn't it a matter of um, you can adjust those magnets so that it accelerates you at any speed? they want and acceleration is constant meaning that whatever oh, yeah, your speed is it goes it goes <laughs> up so you just need the longer it is the faster you would be by the time you left. yeah that's right and somebody i saw some calculations once somebody figured out that uh, for to build a mass driver on the surface of the earth to get escape velocity at an acceleration that won't kill a human your mass driver needs to be something like four or five hundred miles long <laughs> Oh man! Um, well, it's doable. Hyper—that's that's doable, right? It is doable, and you want it to be on the equator, 
um, for, for energy reasons. So you just take some stretch of Ecuador, I guess. Actually, Ecuador uh-huh. isn't even four or 500 miles across. Uh, yeah. We'd have to find, we'll have to go to Africa, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, you build your, your mass driver there uh, and that's your transfer station or that's your launcher to get up to the transfer station. That'd be great. Wow. And I just had an image of the, as far as the one that retrieves you, the, the one that you land in uh-huh. would have to be like an enormous funnel. Yep. That's right. <laughs> so that you had some error, you know, some move, some yeah, because uh, range of error. If, uh, uh, your, your projectiles that are carrying you or your platinum or whatever, right. um, are, are moving so spectacularly fast that if they miss the launcher, <laughs> uh, you're essentially get a, a megaton explosion. Um, wow, right, really? right next to it. Yeah. It's the, I mean, this is the kind of dinosaur killing asteroid stuff. We're just making, ast- we're just making artificial ones. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I'm laughing so hard. I'm coughing. <laughs> Just like we have airports, you know, have to be, well, we try to keep them anyway, far outside a city there, you know, yeah. and so and because they, because they need a lot of room, mm-hmm. these, the funnel, the retrieval funnel or the arrival funnel mm-hmm. would have to be enormous by itself. So it would have to be 500 miles long too, right? That's right. Yep. Same so way. at least the heart, in other words, the funnel could be obviously facing up so mm-hmm. you, you could land in it like a, like a bucket. Well, it would, it would be, uh, probably so horizontal as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the funnel I should say would not be, uh, metal. That is, it wouldn't be tangible. It would certainly be an electromagnetic funnel, right? You know, you'd, you'd right. shape the magnetic fields to, to catch your projectile. Oh, you, you wouldn't need an exterior structure. Yeah, the, the only whatever structure is needed to generate the electromagnetic field. Right. But that would be pretty big, wouldn't it? Or? Probably. Yeah. yeah. But but yeah. it wouldn't be, uh, it's not a giant. It's not um, solid. Yeah, that's right. It's not a giant solid uh, oh, thing. Oh, this is cool. Cool. So it's uh, like a, yeah, an enormous, it's just a structure of rings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's about right. And uh, then it comes down and then if needed, well, it would, it would just curve so that you eventually went horizontal for the rest mm-hmm. of your yep. that's right because four, four or five hundred miles long you have to follow the curve of the earth right it's not flat oh right 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 well i was mm-hmm. even thinking just sort of the tail of it mm-hmm. so to speak would go could go along the ground just to make it as long as you needed to decelerate uh, and and then just like an airport like i said they need a lot of room not just because they're building this giant structure but also because all around it is basically you know, like, uh, like the rough in a golf course, <laughs> it's like all this <laughs> stuff, there's so much debris accumulates all the things yeah, that missed. It's, um, that's right. And well, there wouldn't, you would just, um, a near miss would just make a gigantic crater, right? That would be the end of your mass driver. Um, <laughs> oh, so, wow. okay. so a mass driver is also a Titanic weapon, um, is often pointed out. So if you're on the moon and you have a mass driver, you can kill every single person on earth. If you are so inclined. Wow. Without uh, a bomb, just by. That's right. Just by hurling these projectiles at the surface of the earth. And this is actually, I think one of the first people to think about this is actually Robert Heinlein um, <laughs> in his classic novel, The Moon is a Harsh Mistress. 
Oh, okay. I've not read yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's a, so he has catapults. Well, that's a, so it's uh, there's a colony on the moon and they're, you know, oppressed miners uh, and they, they shoot their ores down to earth. Um, but then they rebel and they uh, blow up a couple of earth cities just by launching rocks via the mass driver. <laughs> oh, um, and, uh, and of course, because it's Heinlein, the moon turns into a libertarian paradise. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so the, uh, the land, the retrieval maglev funnel thing would also need enormous range of somehow to protect itself. So if anything is going to miss, it's got to be pushed far away. Yeah, that's good. That's a, a tricky, that's going to be a tricky engineering question. Um, and also a tough social and political question is where are you comfortable building something like this uh, that such that you can have megaton explosions on a regular basis and everybody's cool with it? Right. Probably in the ocean. Uh, that would be a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So again, you know, pollute the oceans even worse than we do. <laughs> yeah. All for all for these little cars. Also, you can have your space car. <laughs> yep, that's right. Uh, is uh, and it's and, interesting you know, as it shows that how what a pain, uh, what a challenge gravity is because gravity in is, space yep. this would all be it's yep, space. Once, it's actually more benign. Yeah, in, in once you're way. into microgravity, you know, out into space, very easy to putter around, um, however you like. Ah, wow, that's so. If once there's enough infrastructure, it'll be. I could see why people actually the idea of building whatever in space. Once you overcome the idea of getting the materials there, yeah, and once you actually can manufacture the materials in space, you really can go quite quickly. Yeah, that's right. So it's it's just getting off the Earth that's difficult. So there's a, a saying in. Uh, uh, celestial dynamics say so low earth orbit is halfway to anywhere low earth or oh wow that's interesting right. that's right so once you get to low earth orbit you can essentially go anywhere in the solar system it's just a matter of time after that point um but that that initial bump up is really difficult right for us now for us now, that's right. So if we get our mass drivers built, if we get our space elevator built, um, as soon as it becomes cheap to get over, to get out of our gravity well, then the solar system is ours, for yeah. better or worse. Right? Yeah. And I'm going to guess the space elevator, even though that wasn't the focus of our what the if this time, yeah. is actually the easiest. I, I agree. I think space in the end, uh, space elevator is going to be easier than a mass driver. Uh, the only problem there is what do you make it out of? That is, we don't have any substances that are strong enough yet. Right. But I right. could imagine within our lifetime, um, we can build you know carbon nanotubes that are strong enough. Yeah, yeah. And then actually your personal space car could be could and would be made of that or similar lightweight. Uh, that could be. Yeah. Actually, I don't know what the Tesla is made of, but I'm guess cars these days are made of. Teslas are probably aluminum, right? Mm, mm, mm. So uh, here's to you, Starman. <laughs> Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges and uh, David Bowie. Notice he he chose, uh, of course, uh, the song Starman to play, which makes sense, and not um, what's uh, Uncle, uh, Ground Control to Major Tom. Control. Yeah, that is a sad one. 
That is the sad one. That's right. And if yeah. that were playing in that car, which is the thing is, really, that guy in that sports car is Major Tom. I mean, he has he has yep, no air. Right. He's going to stay up there. <laughs> He's going forever, forever. forever. Um, yeah, future space archaeologists will will dig him up and put him in a museum. For, yes, that's a whole nother thing. Let's just end there with this vision of incredible that this car, this Tesla, is going to be in space for. He said tens of millions of years. But yeah, that's right. Essentially forever from our point of view. Yeah. When the sun blows up, it'll probably get caught up in that. Yeah, it'll, that's, that's what I think. Yeah, um, that's on astronomical time scale. So it'll get burned up by solar flares or something. Yeah. But I should say, you know, so aliens come visit us in the solar system. They drive right by the Voyager probe with its carefully chosen message for aliens. <laughs> right. And run into this this car instead, <laughs> and they say, "Wow, the Terrans are so stupid. They think they can drive a car in outer space. <laughs> like we should just leave these people alone." Yeah, yeah this guy he couldn't have lasted very long. <laughs> exactly, there's no life support system on here, <laughs> and they They're- call him the genius. <laughs> <laughs> And but this song is playing is really awesome. Right, the music we love. <laughs> yeah, David Bowie will live. I I don't think that the I'm, I'm curious how long the sound is supposed to last. Well, actually, I was thinking about that in terms of the live uh, the video feed too. Right. Is I don't I don't know how long the transmitter has battery power. Um, I I mean I genuinely have no idea. I don't know if it's going to be hours or days or weeks or months. Yeah, I had. A, I'm wondering even if it's still going now. There's no solar panels on this car for yeah. all of Elon Musk. Oh, but it might have tons of batteries because he, he, he well, Tesla be, builds batteries too. I mean, that's entirely possible. I mean, it's a mass test, so I don't know how much mass they wanted to send up. I mean, batteries are really heavy. So as a general rule, you don't want to put many up um, into space. But and they what explode. The heck? But it's, <laughs> that's right. But it's a test. So what the heck? Yeah. Oh, man, it's amazing. Uh, he's going to need a tune up after about a million years. In fact, I, I, I was well, watching him watching the live uh, stream there and you can there's just amazing views. You know, it's, it's several cameras on it. And so one of the views has you looking right at his helmet and there's a tiny hole in it. And I haven't gone back to see whether that was there at the beginning or is that the first oh. <laughs> micrometeor first micrometeor hit? Yeah, yeah. right. Because eventually that car is going to be peppered with holes. Uh, eventually. Yeah. But eventually probably means millions of years on oh, this scale. Okay. So right. unless it's really unlucky, it right. can cruise around for a long time. And I wonder how long the paint and all that will last because it's the temperature well, is extreme. Yep. That's right. It's going to be uh, cold and hot because if it's rotating, um, it'll get heated on the side facing the sun. And then when it's facing away, it'll cool off. Um, So that heating cooling will cause problems. Uh, The radiation from the sun will cause problems as well. Um, But uh, I don't know. This will be something of an experiment to see uh, what happens to Totally. Chunks of metal <laughs> just totally, shooting out of space. Totally. Yeah. I, I'm intrigued to look up more information about this car. I hadn't even really thought about it that much mm-hmm. um, of what what they put into it to, to adjust for any of these things. Take take any of these things into account. Well, fascinating and um, just again 
amazing that we have something like this happening now. Like basically one man, you know, with a team of brilliant uh, and well-paid people, I, I imagine. I'd imagine. Yeah. Just doing this by himself is uh, incredible. I didn't think that we would see. That is total science fiction that I didn't think we'd see <laughs> so soon. So that was, uh, he is living the what the if life. Yep. We all should mm, live. Okay. So, so think about that. Live the what the if life. <laughs> live the what the if. Don't bother asking. Just do it and find out through experience within reason. Yeah. Change reality to your whims and uh, let us know how that goes. Yeah. But wear your wrist strap. Wear your wrist strap. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you for listening. Uh, uh, I apologize. We missed last week. I was away. Um, for those of you who follow my, uh, any of my social media feeds, I was uh, at an amazing uh, film festival in Seattle called Tech Doc, sponsored by the Living Computer Museum, built by Paul Allen. I cannot say enough positive things about both the film festival and this museum. If It has virtually every important computer and even i imagine not important in between Mm -hmm. stages of computers from virtually the beginning of computers to the present and they all work you can sit at them you can type in them and it uh, having grown up with these computers it was strangely an emotional experience (laughs) going through (laughs) there because i would see like the atari 400 uh, computer, or they had a, uh, a, a Mac, early Mac, iMac with Myst, actually, the game oh, yeah. playing on it. And another one had SimCity. And as soon as I saw these things, it all came back to me. My first thought was like, I spent so much time. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was because it's just so intense how much you were in it. Yeah. And the machine, I mean, look, if you're a total nerd and you know, the machine is like an intimate friend, uh, right. a companion, mm-hmm. and and uh, you you know the thing inside and out so well, and all the bugs. And anyway, so you, it was like visiting old friends uh, in the nursing home, but they're still going. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely amazing. It's uh, one of the things I, I will have to respect Microsoft, uh, the founders of Microsoft, for more, almost more than anything. <laughs> Although they did have one, it, it had an ever so slight pro Microsoft bent. Fair enough. Uh, interesting. Look, he okay. built it. He spent his money. There's a one as you go through the history of uh, operating systems, you come to a giant sign. It says, I, th- I think it must have been a headline from a magazine or something. But basically, there's a huge sign that says Windows wins, <laughs> <laughs> and there was not anything about the current Apple. Uh, they oh, had they had an okay. iPhone. There was a display case of like mobile device, the history of mobile devices, and you saw BlackBerry and Palm, and there was an original iPhone there, and then a much more recent Samsung Galaxy, <laughs> which had not exploded. Hmm. That was it. So <laughs> we have to wait for Tim Cook to build the uh, oh, all right the living um, iPod Point museum. Up. So uh, help us out. Uh, go to i. Speaking of Apple. Love it or leave it. Uh, uh, iTunes is the leader uh, in uh, helping publicize podcasts, um, especially with reviews. So if you can, whether you use Apple stuff or not, go to iTunes and look up What the If, our show. Click five stars. That's all you have to do. If you can write a few more words, 
that's awesome too and that, that, that makes a big difference having a nice review along with the stars it's great if you mm-hmm. can do that go to our website whattheif.com you can see all our previous episodes you can what the if the heck out of yourself you can spend a whole you can binge if <laughs> binge that's yeah I'm not gonna make a new one to binge the if this should be a YouTube channel you can also contact us there, whattheif.com slash contact. Click the contact button and uh, say hello. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, it's quiet out there. Yep. We know send you're us, listening. Send, send us, ideas. us your ideas. Yeah. yeah. Um, next week, we're going to have one, uh, actually, an episode we recorded earlier, but I haven't gotten it up yet. Next week is going to be a special double header, double feature episode about the what ha- what the if would happen if the magnetic field of the earth were to flip something goes crazy inside the core of the earth what's going to happen so again magnetism is becoming a theme this show is very magnetic <laughs> i think just you know wearing magnets is not good for you but listening to this show about magnets very healthy oh yeah very healthy for you so i hope you'll tune in next week also follow us on twitter what the if show and on facebook what the if uh, pretty much you know anywhere the cia collects information <laughs> we are there um so come there too and say hi to everybody matt thank you so much I, I, i'm always amazed with the uh, the facts you can pull out it's always good fun yeah fantastic you know what next week we're gonna say what? <laughs> what? The if, 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 if. Bye now. <laughs>